Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Peg Sadie. Peg is a trained psychotherapist and resilience coach, wife of 19 years, boy mom, and founder of Resilient Mom Academy. She founded Resilient Mom Academy to realize her vision and bridge the gap between therapy and thriving for struggling moms. Peg has been featured in over 50 media outlets, including InStyle, Parents, and Women's Health. Her own experience with postpartum depression, anxiety, and overwhelm as a new mom ignited her passion to support other women in their motherhood journey. In the episode, Peg shares her own experience with postpartum anxiety and depression, what moms can do before giving birth to prepare for the postpartum period, how to incorporate self-care practices into your life without adding other things to your to-do list, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, thrivemarket.com. I don't know about you, but I used to think eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store. That is until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive delivers groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people and heavily discount their inventory. When I buy groceries on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I save at least $20 per order, and I'm able to fill up my cart from the comfort of my couch. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Peg. Enjoy. Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Peg. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Hey, Brooke. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. I think you might actually be my first guest from Atlanta. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> Maybe. Actually, yeah, now that I say that, I could be wrong. And somebody, probably a listener who's heard every episode is going like, to DM you. Yeah. yeah, you're incorrect. Or somebody who's been on here is going to be like, what about me? I'm from Atlanta. Um, but yeah, welcome. So happy Thank to you. have you here. I would love if you could start off by telling myself and my audience a bit more about your background and specifically what led you to want to reshape the legacy of maternal mental health, as you say. Absolutely. So I am a trained psychotherapist and my journey really into this topic 
um, came about 15 years ago with the birth of my first son, where I experienced crippling postpartum depression and anxiety. And at that time, and it hasn't changed drastically since then, but there was really limited resources. So we had talk therapy, um, medication, but there was this shame and stigma surrounding it still. So um, I really didn't share my experience. I didn't share my healing journey. It actually took me over a decade to openly start talking about this with other women. There were no support groups. There were no coaches that focused on this. So I, it took me a long time to kind of figure out what I needed to get feeling like myself again, like the woman I had been pre, um, depression, anxiety, and it was just so much trial and error. And I thought there has to be a better way. So I went, I transitioned into coaching because I feel like talk therapy has so many limitations, especially when it comes to um, dealing with postpartum, a sense of community, um, you know, sharing in your story, this sense of isolation, going to talk therapy, I felt so isolated and alone. And I was just still isolated alone in talk therapy. You know, I didn't have people supporting me, you know, encouraging me, sharing their own stories. So I wanted to create a program that and content um, and workshops that supported women on this journey and kind of bridge that gap between therapy and thriving for moms and not just for moms that experience postpartum depression, but just moms that are struggling with the overwhelm, the day in, day out anxiety or stress of just what motherhood, motherhood brings naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I, this could be a misconception. I'd love to actually talk about that. I love asking guests what are misconceptions about your expertise that you kind of see people spreading around, but correct me if I'm wrong. I saw this the other day and again, it was probably somebody's random Instagram post, but they said something like you're more likely to experience postpartum depression, anxiety, if you've had issues with that prior to your pregnancy is that true or is that a myth? No, that is true. So okay. if you've had a previous episode of depression, you're, I think, twice as likely to have another one. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we'll present postpartum, you know, but they say during your lifetime. Mm. And then if you've had two episodes, then you're like, you know, it goes exponentially up right? You'll have another wow. one. So, cause it can be, you know, a pattern for some people throughout their life. Okay. So then in the postpartum period, when you have this new crying baby, you're not sleeping, your hormones are raging, then that could be a time that it kind of flares up again. 100%. So, and then I didn't even realize this. I mean, there are all these predisposing conditions, factors that go into actual postpartum depression diagnosis. So if you're experiencing these leading up to giving birth, it's like a checklist. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. So like looking back in hindsight, like I 
ticked off like eight of the 10 on this checklist. And, you know, like if you're, um, if you're having like, um, issues with, um, personal relationship issues, um, people in your life, having some discord, if you are, um, just had a major life change, like if you moved, if you um, stopped working, if you're having financial troubles, um, et cetera, et cetera. And you can just like, go down and look, check, 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 check. If you have a history, you know, of a, having a dep- depressive episode, check. So, yeah. Um, and I feel like if more women knew that, then we could kind of be more proactive and like setting ourselves up for success. We just kind of go into semi-blind besides, you know, taking a Lamaze class and reading a a book or two about motherhood. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's what other experts in your field have shared on the podcast. Um, For listeners, I'll link the previous episodes I've done on the postpartum period in the show notes of this one, in case you're interested, but they have said something similar, how you do all this preparation for giving birth and Mm -hmm. then for the baby, but then don't do as much thought around how am I going to take care of myself? What if I have some type of postpartum depression or anxiety? What about my relationship post birth and all of that? And so then when the baby comes, you kind of can't really think about that stuff anymore because you have a baby. Um, So they were emphasizing, you know, the planning that you're doing before the baby, it's really important to start planning out your postpartum period and how will you implement different things to care for yourself. 100%, uh, you know, creating a support plan. Like I highly encourage moms to do that in advance. I waited nearly a decade in between my sons (laughs) Mm. because my experience was so negative, you know, first time around and I didn't have the support system I needed. I didn't have tools and, and things in place for myself. So my experience in my healing journey took way longer than it should have. And, um, I didn't recognize the signs, you know, even being a trained therapist, you think, Oh, I got this and I can handle it, but you're so in it. Like I love to say, it's really difficult to read the label from inside the bottle Mm. because you're so in it and you don't know what's normal. What's not normal. I'm exhausted, but I should be exhausted, but I'm feeling this way too. Is that normal can will this go away and um it just lingered and I didn't get the help and I waited too long I didn't get the help I needed I waited almost a year so I was so worried I was gonna have the same experience and for a long time I didn't even know if I wanted to have a second because it's really scary the thought of going through that again mm-hmm. and I finally was a, got it to a place emotionally physically I was ready. And I made sure to create that support plan. I knew what I was going to do. I knew who was going to help me. I knew the kind of postpartum experience I wanted. And of course you can't plan it, you know, to the detail, but I made sure my partner was on page with me. You know, I had, I had things I was going to do other women and uh, 
support system group I was going to be part of. And so I was finally ready and I had a beautiful second experience. So that is something I really want to encourage women who have had a negative experience with this. Don't let it deter you necessarily from doing it again. But for me, I had to wait because (laughs) I thought if it does go awry, because you're odds of having another episode are higher if you've had it before. I knew I didn't want to have them close together because I wouldn't be able to manage like two little small kids experience while I was experiencing something like that. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I don't have kids yet, but I have a friend who described it as you do all this preparation for the birth, but really when you're birthing the child, not that it's easy by any means, but you're surrounded by this team of professionals. So you have doctors, maybe you have some type of midwife or doula. And so there's all these people helping you through that. And then the days after you're in the hospital and you still have kind of support, but then when you go home and then if the anxiety or the depression kicks in, that's, you're kind of on your own. You don't have that team of support unless you built it in advance and like we've said, it's probably harder to build when you're in the weeds of the anxiety and depression and the new baby. Yeah, absolutely. And it depends on like, I'm, I'm kind of the person that I, when I'm feeling that way, like, I don't want to put my problems on others. So I will just, I'll self isolate even more. I'll keep to myself. I'm not the kind of like calling people up saying like, Oh, I'm so this, I'm so that. So definitely didn't work. (laughs) for me. Right. No plan. And it just, yeah, it's just like, um, it, it just as you spiral down kind of like an abyss and it, and it happens really quickly. Mm. Well, even beforehand reaching out and asking for help seems kind of intimidating if right? you're somebody who isn't used to that. So I'm not, I don't well, like not either. Yeah. asking for help. So me but it sounds like, it sounds like you to have a more, successful postpartum period, it sounds absolutely essential to reach out to a network before the baby comes Yes, and ask for help, however uncomfortable that may make you feel. Yes. And, and for me, one of the most difficult parts was I chose to be at home and I, for the first time in my life, like I was so isolated. I didn't, you know, wasn't waking up and getting dressed and showering and going to work and doing all the things that I used to in my routine. And that feeling of connecting with others and um, being productive, like, although you are keeping a tiny human alive, (laughs) it's the most important job in the world. But there's something to be said about, um, you know, having that connection with others. And um, it's really lonely on the other spectrum, one side of the spectrum of that. Mm -hmm. Just having adult conversations. Yes. Like I remember being so jealous of my husband um, and almost resentful because he still got to, he's like, you act like I'm going to vacate on vacation. Like he would be going to work. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, it is. I'd do anything to go to work. <laughs> exactly. And I would just feel like, you know, you get your commute, you get to listen to talk radio or music, you get to make phone calls uninterrupted, you get to go have lunch with people, you can like go out and have af- drinks after work if you want, like all, and he's like, oh, 
it's still work. And I'm like, you have no idea what work is. Try and staying with this baby 24 hours a day. <laughs> right. No, I think that's a really good point. So I know that relationships can struggle in that period. So what advice would you give to setting how, how could you set your relationship up for success before the baby comes, if that's even possible? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think, well, there is 100% going to be a dynamic shift once that baby arrives. Um, there's no going around that. You know, mom's going to be completely focused on baby and dad is going to be put on the back burner. It's just the way it's going to be. You're in survival mode, trying to keep baby alive. You're exhausted. It's really difficult to nurture your relationship during this time. So I would have to say the most important thing is to really openly communicate and ask for help. Let your partner know what you need, because otherwise you will build up resentment. Um, and there will be this disconnect, right? Of um, you and the baby, and then your partner over here on the side. Um, so that is the, 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 the biggest piece of advice I would share. Um, is to just talk, um, let them know, hey, you know, I really need a break. <laughs> I'm going to can you watch the baby? You know, can we do this, you know, two days a week where I can go out and get myself a cup of coffee and do whatever I need to be. I feel like we sign up for this role <laughs> as mom. And then we feel like everything under the umbrella falls on us and it's okay to like take a break and, and have your partner support you in that. And um, because you're going to be more refreshed when you take that break um, and be able to be a better partner and, and, and be there, um, emotionally, you know, more so than if you feel resentful or so exhausted or that you're not feel like you're being supported. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I think that's great advice. Communication always comes up whenever you're talking to yeah. anybody about relationships. <laughs> I feel like it's something that every relationship needs to build. And it's something that every relationship struggles with at times. It's just the it's, way things are. It's, it's like everybody's so always working on communication, right? It's so true. And, and to have realistic expectations, you know, um, within your relationship, you know, I don't, I think that's important to um, learn to, Things are going to be adjusted just because you were making dinner five nights a week before the baby came. Look, dude, things are going to change around here. I need you to make dinner. <laughs> you know, um, things are going to shift. Things are going to change. And, uh, and you're going to have to consider that person's role and the limits of that role are going to shift when the new baby comes and it's gone um, and it'll shift back again later. Um, people always like to say marriage is 50, 50, and that is the biggest lie ever. <laughs> There's no, it's never going to be 50, 50 ever. And it's always going to be like a balance, you know, shifting some, sometimes it'll be 80, 20, some, sometimes it'll be 60, 40. Um, and, 
this postpartum time frame is no exception. We really need our partners to really step up to the plate, support us, and do what needs to be done to help us move through this time. Right. I don't have kids yet, but I broke my leg earlier this year. Oh, no. And yeah, it was pretty bad. It happened really fast, uh, tripping down a couple of stairs, and then all of a sudden I need surgery. And so it was this whole thing that we didn't expect to happen and obviously threw life upside down. But yeah, I would say definitely if I was thinking or if my husband was thinking that our <laughs> duties should be 50-50 during that time, it was more like 100-0 because... <laughs> I could do nothing. I was right? on crutches. I was supposed to elevate 24-7. He was literally doing everything he usually does. He's very helpful, but he oh. was doing everything he usually does, plus the things that I do. So, I mean, watering plants. He'd never done that before. I was explaining, you know, how much water to give each plant. You're planting. But, yeah, I'm like, no, not that one. You're doing it wrong. Um, but I... I can just imagine, you know, that happening, but then also if there's the stress of a baby's crying and you don't have never had a baby yet, mm -hmm. and neither of you'd really know what's going on. And so it's that whole new element thrown into the mix. But I think that's a great um, piece of advice to just kind of manage, manage expectations. And if you go into it thinking it should be 50-50, then then you're probably going to be very disappointed. <laughs> yes, for sure. And, you know, honestly, like, especially if you're breastfeeding, I'm just something so small as if when your baby starts to cry, like your partner going and getting the baby and bringing it to you. So you don't have to get up or, um, you know, just something little like that, you know, being that is a big deal. It, at right. least it was for me, um, in feeling supported and feeling that you're both in it together. Right. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one -on -one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently, feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at thehealthinvestment. Now back to the episode. Uh, we So you said that the idea I threw out there of you're more likely to get postpartum if you've previously experienced anxiety or depression. That's not a misconception, but are there misconceptions circulating about the postpartum period that kind of irk you? Oh, good question. Let me consider that. Um, I mean, about postpartum depression or just the postpartum period? anything or even take it to just motherhood, just anything about, you know, kind of the work you do that probably on social media is a spot where a lot of misconceptions are spread, but anything yeah. you see people <laughs> saying that aren't necessarily, I mean, like the 50, 50 thing, that's a good example, but 
anything else that is not particularly true that a lot of us are believing? Okay. So anytime I hear moms say like, I'll reach out to moms, you know, um, on social media and just be like, Hey, it's so great to connect with you. You know, what have you, if they follow and I'll ask them, you know, how's mom life? And the, so many, so many times mom will just, moms will just be like open and honest and it's crazy. You know, it's great, but it's nuts. You know, it's like a hybrid, (laughs) but my pet peeve is when moms will say, it's so great. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. It's so wonderful. It's, you know, so many reiterations of this. It's such a blessing and this, or when they complain and then feel like they have to really quickly be like, but it's such a blessing and a joy, you know, like, why can't we just sit in it? Why can't we just be honest and be like, this is really freaking hard and it sucks most days (laughs) (laughs) because especially in those early years, it is a truly selfless act. You're just giving, giving, giving. It's exhausting. You don't know what the heck you're doing. You're just like learning by trial and error. And it's not easy. That is the misconception that people are like, put um, forth this image on social media that it's easy and beautiful. And look, I got all my kids dressed up in matching outfits and look how happy we are. Like, right. Like I guarantee you before you took that picture and right after it was like pure chaos, right? (laughs) All you see is that three seconds in between that everything looks perfect. I really, that is a pet peeve of mine. Um, the women that, pretend to have it all together and tap and to be perfect because there's nobody, no mom that has it all together and no mom that knows what, what they're doing like all the time. Um, and I feel like that is a real big disconnect for moms feeling like we're failing and we're doing something wrong. Like I don't even, Oh, I just used social media for business because no one's immune to it. Like I, if I scroll, I, I the compare and despair roller coaster. It's really easy. It's horrible, and especially for moms, we're doing our best. We're doing what we can every day, and then we go and we see these posts that make us feel less than. Right? That we're not doing all the things for our kid. We're not making our own food, baby food from scratch. We're not dressing our kids in like organic cotton. Everything. <laughs> Um, our kids don't look perfectly matched and dressed all the time. Shoot, maybe my kid didn't shower for three days, okay? Maybe a week. You know, it's like, <laughs> let's just be real and be honest. And I swear, like, it helps you feel more connected and it helps you feel better. So, yeah, it's a long answer to your question, but that is my pet peeve. <laughs> you can tell I'm very passionate about it. <laughs> no, I think that's really important. And social media can be awesome in terms of, building communities or, Mm -hmm. you know, for business, finding people in places you never would have connected with people. But on the flip side, I've never heard that, that term compare and despair, but that's a great way to think about it. Yeah. It's it's really easy to do on social media. It's definitely a love hate relationship because I wouldn't be able to do what I do and meet all these amazing moms that I come in touch with every day if it weren't for, you know, some of these platforms. But on the other hand, you know, 
I, it can perpetuate a lot of mistruths too. Right. So you mentioned preparing before the baby comes. So Mm -hmm. in terms of relationships, having realistic expectations, you know, understanding communications is going to need to be the best it ever was. So if you could even work on that, I'm sure before the baby comes, that would be good to kind of strengthen that. And you said reaching out to people. So if you could kind of give soon to be moms a roadmap, what are other things that you would say, this is what you've got to do before you have a kid? I want you to get these things in place. Okay. So yes, um, those two that you mentioned are like two of the most important, you know, not to self-isolate, make sure you still have at least one friend that you can connect with and not just any friend. This has to be that friend that you can just be brutally honest with and who's going to support you and create, um, hold space for you. You know, not a friend that's going to try to tell you what to do or this is what you need to do with your child or, um, or you're doing it wrong or why are you complaining? Your life is great. You know, not that friend. <laughs> not, to, not to use the word blessing in any conversation. <laughs> yes. But don't you, aren't you so happy? You yeah. Baby? baby is such a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. So that friend, because, you know, it's been shown, you know, connection is directly correlated to depression. So people that have fewer connection or less, less of a quality connection with others are more prone to anxiety and depression Mm. and, and not just for postpartum at any time of your life. So, but the beautiful thing is it has nothing to do with the quantity of your friendships. It's the quality. So if you just feel heard and seen and accepted by one friend, good friend that you know you can connect with, that's all you need, really. So it's not like you have to go create a village. (laughs) I mean, having some people to help you would be great, right, as far as like supporting you with the baby. But as far as making that connection, you really just need one friend. Two could be better, but yeah. Um, So that is so huge. And then also, I feel like we know things are going to change. Be prepared to shift your energy, knowing that, um, so yeah, you, you think that you're going to like give birth and then you're going to um, be out of commission for a few weeks and then you can like start doing the things again. Like, and everyone's journey is different. If you are one of those moms, <laughs> like more power to you. I don't know how you did it, but giving yourself grace, allowing yourself, you know, time and rest. Um, and knowing that it's okay if it's not, if you're not able to do all the things, you know, shortly after, if you're not able to, if you don't feel up to taking the, the newborn baby photographs, (laughs) that everyone takes if you're not up to getting back out there, you know, as quickly uh, if or entertaining at your house, that is the worst, you know, like people want to come and see you and see the baby. And you know what? It's a really selfish thing. <laughs> people want to do that because what is that? Especially for someone um, 
And it sounds like you said yourself, you don't like asking for help. So someone like me, I want to do it all myself. I'm not going to ask somebody like bring food or like, you know, do something. So if someone's going to come to my house, I'm going to have to prepare. I'm going to have to make sure the house is clean. I'm going to have to make sure there's some snacks and some drinks. So people want to come over and they think they're being supportive and helpful, but that is not supportive for a new mom. (laughs) That is not helpful. Bring a meal, leave it on the front door, ring the doorbell, let them know it's coming. You know what I mean? Like that is supportive. That is helpful. But just understanding that things are going to shift and you do you. Like don't feel like you have to entertain what other people want or what other people expect from you during this time. You know, you may think you're ready to go back to work after a certain, you will be ready to go back to work if you're not. You know, maybe you're not. Maybe you've changed your mind. Maybe you decided you don't want to go back to work. Maybe you can't leave your child. Or maybe you decided, I'm going to stay at home with my child. And then after a few months, you're like, I can't do this. Like I had this happened to a friend of mine. (laughs) She had twins and she was home for like six months. And her twins were like angel baby twins. She (laughs) says they were like so quiet, like they played with each other. Oh, wow. I know. Isn't that crazy? And she said she was so freaking bored that uh, she, she couldn't stay home anymore. She got a nanny and she went back to work. So, and don't, you know, judge yourself. Don't feel, you know, have some self-compassion. Know that you have the right to change your mind and don't let other people's opinion, because everyone's going to have an opinion about how, what you do with your child, what you do and don't do everything. So, um, you know, do what you need to do. And also the best single, most best piece of advice I give every mom (laughs) I come in contact with is to really trust your intuition and trust your gut, your inner knowing when it comes to your child, because it really doesn't matter how many books you read, how many experts you listen to, how much advice you get from all the people around you. And I mean, I'm not saying there's not value in that, right? Getting some information and being informed, but nobody knows your child's needs better than you. Mm. You just, you have this innate, special and innate connection with your child. Nobody else is ever going to have that. And, um, you know, I, in hindsight myself, I've had several experiences like that where I've, you know, my gut was telling me something. I can remember my oldest, we went to this, we were going to do swim lessons and he was a little bit older when we started swim lessons and he was extremely anxious and I the energy of that place was really off I did not like it I didn't like the owner I didn't like the lady who was giving him the swim classes but I paid like it was I should it should have been a red flag for me when I got there I paid like $300 in advance you had to buy the whole package up front mm. that, that should have been a huge red flag he was in the water for you know, 10 minutes. And I realized this woman wasn't in tune with my child. Like he was shaking and she was trying to pry his hands off the edge of the pool instead of like talking to him and get comfortable to him. I took my son out of there, never went back. And I told them exactly what I thought right then and there. And then they shouldn't be teaching children. It was really traumatizing for me. And and I never got my money back. <laughs> yeah. 
But I, it was recommended to me from another mom friend. And I huh. thought, wow, okay. So note to self, never take any <laughs> advice from her again about her. <laughs> well, you know what? I could have been like, and she had had like four kids go through the program. And I could have been like, oh, well, they know what they're doing. They're the expert. This is what just needs to get done, you know? But no, I felt my child, I knew my child. I knew that this was not going to be emotionally healthy for him. Force him to do something that he was so anxious about that he was physically shaking while he was in the pool. So just an example of like, and I never regretted that decision. And I've done this. I did this with a preschool. I walked in, grabbed my child. And that was it. Like I paid for like the whole month and I never went back because I trusted my God. I trust my intuition. And I found a beautiful place for him that, you know, 15 years later, we still go back and visit the teachers, you know, but you know, your child, you know, what's good for your child. So hands down, if you don't take anything else from this, (laughs) trust that inner knowing when it comes to you and your child. Because people are going to tell you what's good for your child, what's not good for your child. You're going to see all the other parents not having any problems with it, but you're the only one that can advocate for your child. Well, and like you said, that woman had four kids and maybe the swim class was fine for her four kids. She apparently loved it enough to tell you about it, but not great for your kid. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's great. What about let's move even beyond postpartum period. Let's say the kids are growing now. What advice do you have to help moms take care of themselves on a daily basis without making self-care feel like another thing to add to the to-do list? Oh yeah. I love this question. Um, yeah. Self-care has kind of gotten this, it's become this like fluffy buzzword. Yeah. Know? I hate it. Like, I hate yeah. it. Ew, it's, so it's like bubble baths and meditation yes. and like yes. nobody does that stuff. Nobody does that stuff on a daily. I mean, maybe some people do, but 99% of us don't. It's so true. And it's, it's like you get the eye roll, you know? Yeah. I, I literally posted, it was a really popular post recently. And actually um, it's called, you don't need a bubble bath. And it's all about the reasons why you don't need a bubble bath. Mm-hmm. Um, and because self, it doesn't matter how many bubble baths you take. If you're operating from a place of overwhelm or stress as a mom, that, that is not a fix for long-term self-care, for feeling better, for getting to the root of what is causing your overwhelm and stress. Mm. Um, it might feel good for like 20 minutes or whatever, but you know, that's not self-care. So I, and I want moms to know that it is all about just creating micro habits that really speak to you and resonate with you, nourish you. You don't have to wake up at 5am. You don't have to have a two hour morning ritual. Like you were just talking about like, Oh, I get up and I run and I meditate and I journal. And who has time for that? No, nobody. <laughs> nobody. And probably and, self-care could be just sleeping. Maybe that's the self-care. <laughs> that is. And honestly, there, he, that's so beautiful. I'm so glad you said that Brooke, because, and during the early postpartum time, you know, that is your self-care plan, right? 
when your baby's nursing, you nurse. When your baby needs something, you take care of it. And then every chance you get, you rest, you sleep, you take care of yourself. That is your self-care. So, and it's important to just carve out a little bit of time for yourself. It can even be 10 minutes, you know, whether it's you decide to go to bed 10 minutes early with, you know, a cup of herbal tea and read a chapter in that book you like. Um, and it's so much more than the superficial. It's, it's really holistic. So other things like prioritizing activities, um, not overscheduling your kids and yourself, right? That causes mm-hmm. stress and overwhelm. Learning to say no more. Just because you get invited to a bunch of parties doesn't mean you have to go or to join some book club doesn't mean you have to go. Cutting toxic people out of your life, you know, people that aren't supportive, people that make you feel not good or less than after you spend time with them, you know, just tuning in with yourself and realizing that this person or this thing is not creating joy in my life. You know, even clearing your clutter, that is so cathartic and so mm-hmm. liberating. You know, clutter is directly related to depression as well. People with more clutter in their homes have higher rates of depression and anxiety. Oh, wow. Yeah. And also, I love, I'm all about simplicity and decluttering. Like, I'm a huge minimalist. Not in a weird Same. nomad, not in a weird nomad kind of way. But <laughs> so you but, are yeah. preaching to the choir here. I am... <laughs> I've had decluttering specialists on the podcast. I am such a huge proponent of yes, obsessed decluttering. Obsessed, yes. I it's a never-ending journey. I love it. I've been practicing it for like twenty-five years. I love it so much. I, before Marie Kondo was a thing, I was like yep. reading books on feng shui because that was all there was. You know? No, no. I agree. We, my husband and I went through our closet the other weekend and he's gotten on board now. He's all about it. So we did this huge decluttering of our closet. And then I I said, we should do the kitchen next. And I went into the kitchen and opened a drawer and I said, we should just get rid of stuff in this drawer that we don't need. And I opened it and we literally used every single thing because I don't (laughs) keep stuff around that we don't use. And then I was like, oh, okay, I guess that that's done. We don't need to take anything out there. <laughs> you were so excited. You were like on a roll. <laughs> I was just going to get rid of more stuff. And then, it's addictive. Yeah, it is addictive. And I think if you can lean into that and I, I just love how you're reframing self-care. So we see these images again, social media, you know, we're kind of giving it a bad rap here, but sometimes it deserves it. But people are posting all of these images that may seem unattainable. But if you mm-hmm. reframe self-care of thinking of it as going to bed 10 minutes earlier, like you said, or setting boundaries Mm -hmm. or cutting out toxic people or Mm -hmm. organizing your closet. Those things I think are going to be so much more fruitful than just this superficial bubble bath once a month. Huge. So, and it's these, they're going to all stack up with each other and it may not seem like a lot but over time it will help reduce that that stress that overwhelm and another thing is to know that your self-care routine is not going to look like it did (laughs) pre-baby you know like I remember like oh my gosh you know going to the gym and doing all the things going to the bookstore with a cup of coffee like that was my favorite or like meeting up with friends like connecting you know these things are going to be 
more difficult to do post kids, you know, it's just so it's important to like, just do little things for yourself at home. And then also having something, having a hobby that you like and enjoy, even if that's reading, right? Like I said, going to bed with the the book you like, but just doing something that's not connected with motherhood (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we kind of make our kids our life and especially in the formative years. And some of it's necessary in the very early time, but eventually we need to come back to self recenter and kind of figure out and remember what makes us happy. What sparks joy for us. It's not just all about taking care of our kids. So that in itself, just something small, that is a huge piece of the self-care puzzle. It's just reconnecting with yourself and doing something that you love. Mm. I love that. Well, this last question may, you may kind of repeat yourself a little bit because uh, I think you have already shared so many excellent tips, but I ask each of my guests, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Thank you. No, I, I love this question because it confronts our willingness to take care of ourselves. You know, um, motherhood throws us off balance for sure. And, um, so we need to reassess and it's not just the basics, but getting to know ourselves and discover what we really need to feel nourished from the inside out. And it's important to be intentional about our self-care and consider it holistically. Like like I've been talking about, um, I feel like we do the basics and often we kind of wonder and complain why things aren't working or why we don't feel well. You know, it's not just about getting your teeth cleaned twice a year, going to get a checkup, doing a little Pilates. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And just like we were just talking about before, it's so, it can be so much more nuanced than that. It's really kind of auditing our life. Um, You know, my, and my self-care may look drastically different than my friend's self-care. Like I'm more of an introvert. I need a lot of alone time to re-energize. I like spending time with other people, but you know, I have a friend who's a complete extrovert. She's always out and that is her like connecting, right? Doing stuff with her friends. So each mom's journey and investing is different, right? So, and when I work with moms, uh, first thing we do is do a self-care and energy audit to kind of assess, gives like, gives us a guided structure about where to focus our energy mm-hmm. and really invest in ourselves in those pieces of the pie that we're neglecting. We're not watering, <laughs> right? Going back to your watering plants <laughs> discussion earlier. We keep doing the same things over and over again and, and stay stuck. So, you know, all self-care is not created equal. Investing in yourself is about getting to know your know yourself better on a more deep level, having that self-awareness around it. And every mom is going to have different short-term and long-term, you know, goals. You're going to have a different plan. It's just like a business plan for success. You know, it's going to be same for your self-care. Yeah. So important. Um, so how can listeners find you and connect with you in your programs? Sure. Absolutely. You can find me on my website at Peg Sadie, P-E-G-S-A-D-I-E, just how it sounds.com. And my favorite place to hang out is on Instagram 
and you can reach me at peg.sadie. And I'd love to share a new resource with your listeners, Brooke. Yeah. I'm super excited about this. It is my, um, it's called the Resilient Mom Starter Kit. Mm. And it's a seven day video training and it's um, delivered to your inbox every day. And it's a micro training. So you're not going to be stuck watching like an hour <laughs> of video mm. a day. And I've just taken like my favorite tools and tips that I've used in some of my other programs and my retreats. Um, it's for the mom that is ready to, you know, be intentional about creating a calm and intentional life. So if you're a mom that's feeling stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed right now, you're absolutely going to love this free resource. Oh, it's free. Yeah. Oh, awesome. How yeah, do we girl. get that? Where do you go? <laughs> um, I'm going to share the link with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so I can, will put, you yeah, can access I'll put that it. in the show notes. Yes. I'll, I'll, sh- share the link with you, but you can also access it directly on my website. So oh, okay. yeah. So if you go to my website, pegsadie.com forward slash links, you'll find it in there as well. Oh, great. Okay. Awesome. Well, I will put a link to that as well as to your website and your Instagram in the show notes. And I just want to thank you so much again for all of your tips. Um, I know that I would go to you a hundred percent if I was struggling with any of the things we mentioned. Um, and we could also just talk about decluttering probably. Cause I know. Right? <laughs> thank you so much. So yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. I could definitely come back for round two and just talk decluttering. <laughs> I literally teach a entire module in my membership program on simplifying and decluttering your life. So I am really passionate about it. Well, then, yeah, we should have you back because yes. I think that would be also important to hear, you know, because I think you, you accumulate a lot of things when you have a child and especially toys. Oh my gosh. It's so insane. And the mental, yes. And the um, mental energy, it's just like, and you're like, should I save it? Cause I might have baby two. Yeah. And like, it's, it's a whole next level. Whole thing. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. We should definitely do that. But thank Let's you so it. much again for being here, Peg. Thank you so much, Brooke. It's been totally my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.